Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Arnie Diaz Show. Uh, the show where I, Arnie Diaz, scour the internet and read a bunch of articles to you just to also give you my opinion on the world. Why? Because the world needs more opinions. Uh, and also, all the open mics are gone and I, as a stand-up, need some kind of outlet. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm going to try to do. I'll try to do my best to be as entertaining as possible while also keeping you informed. On today's show, let's see if we got... Uh, we've got uh, the coronavirus is not mutating very much, which means that it's possible that a vaccine will do very well. Secondly, in I actually do not understand news, um, a U.S. naval captain is outed after trying to save lives. And then finally, in good news, uh, N NBA players' plasma might actually be stronger than most in helping coronavirus uh, victims uh, heal faster from the actual coronavirus. And in good, good news, uh, the oceans have a chance. All right, so the first article, we're going straight to the main screen. All right, let's turn down these bad air. Right. I wanted to talk about this article because it's actually been circulating a lot around the internet and in conversations that I've had with people about, you know, what's been going on. Alright, so starting here, this is from the Washington Post. The coronavirus isn't mutating quickly, suggesting uh, a vaccine would offer lasting protection. The coronavirus is not mutating significantly as it circulates through the human population. According to scientists who are closely studying the novel pathogens and genetic code, they, that relative stability suggests the virus is less likely to become more or less dangerous as it spreads and represents encouraging news for researchers hoping to create a long-lasting vaccine. All viruses evolve over time accumulating mutations as they replicate imperfectly inside a host cell in tremendous numbers and then spread through population, with some of those mutations persisting through natural selection. The new coronavirus has proofreading machinery, however, and that reduces the error rate and the pace of mutation. It looks pretty much the same everywhere it, is, it has appeared the scientists say, and there is no evidence that some strains are deadlier than others. SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes the disease COVID-19, is similar to coronaviruses that circulate naturally in bats. It jumped into human species last year in Wuhan, China, probably through an intermediary species, probably a pangolin. All right, I'm going to pause here. Guys, penguins. I've done some research on penguins. Here is a penguin. This, so these are actually sold in wet markets in China. And if you don't know what a wet market is, it is essentially a place. It's especially what it is. It's a, it is a market where meat is bought, but it is also a place where the uh, kind of top echelon of the Chinese population, you know, the one percent, if you will, go to find ingredients for what they deem is their uh, alternative medicines, right? So they go, and a lot of these animals for those alternative medicines are straight up wild animals. And one of those animals is this penguin. Now what's really interesting about this penguin is that it actually is like, its genetic makeup is so similar to humans that viruses, when it infects 
Penguin can mutate to jump directly to a human right after it's been infected by eating or by breathing in by being around the penguins. Um, I watched a podcast by Joe Rogan where he had a uh, it's just it just happened a few like a few uh, I think it was a week ago. Uh, he had a what he, what, 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 he called himself a, a self-described uh, disease detective, and he described this scene of walking into one of these markets in Wuhan, not specifically Wuhan, but one of these markets, and he saw bats hanging from a ceiling, and right under the bats were a, a cage full of these animals, these penguins. And he said that this situation is the perfect like nightmare situation that you could put together to create something like this. Um, so it's interesting to see what, like, this, something like this is just insane. Like, to see the exact movement of, a vi- of, a, of what a virus mutates into and how it, how it actually comes together. And the environment of these wet markets is, like, perfect for that exact thing. Now, let's go back to the article. Uh, scientists are now studying more than a thousand different samples of the virus. Now, essentially, I'm going to summarize this because I can't actually read the whole article. I'm going to summarize what the rest of these findings are. Essentially, what they're saying is that the virus has a type. It has a, uh, they call it a, uh, a self-correction engine. In that when it's in a host and when cells mutate over and over and over again, a lot of cells will definitely have small variations here and there that will eventually turn into larger variations. But... This virus actually has a checker, a mechanism inside its genetic makeup, a lot of keeping it pretty much stable into what it is. Now, this virus does have different variations. In fact, the article goes on to say that it has eight variations, but these variations are so similar that they can still be deemed the same virus. Unlike the flu, which see the flu is not a coronavirus, but still a respiratory, could be a respiratory illness. Um, uh, I forget the name of the cell, but uh, the flu actually has about 80 different variations, and it actually mutates quite simply, which is why we need a flu shot every year. The coronavirus, or COVID-19, is is so uh, perfect at keeping itself intact that we would only truly need one shot one vaccine for a lifetime now that's not to say that it can't mutate if something is allowed to stick around in the population of a living animal it will eventually mutate into something Uh, but for the lifespan of a human versus the ability for the coronavirus to stay its genetic code the same as it is pretty much states that a vaccine will have long lasting effects so at the very least that is you know, optimistic, and you know something to look forward to. There, there will be an end, and the end is probably going to be eight to sixteen months from now. That's going to be like the best case scenario. But there is a lot of work going towards finding a vaccine. There is literally an arms race across the planet to find this vaccine. And the article also states that they actually are using uh, information from two other studies. The studies to find a vaccine from Mars and SARS. Uh, both of those were coronaviruses. And there was years of research done on both of those strains. And eventually the money ran out because no one was concerned about those. But 
that research is being used to create this vaccine. And that is why we will probably have a vaccine quicker than later. Alright guys, we're going to move on to a little bit of kind of interesting news. So I decided to pick a source for this article directly from a, a, you know, a kind of a place that I don't usually read articles from. I'm just going straight to Fox News because I wanted to understand the other side of, of what is going on. So the, the title of this article is USS Theodore Roosevelt, Condemning Officer Relie Commanding Officer Relieved of Duty, Acting Naval Secretary Announces. Go into the article, but what, what this really is is actually a dialogue between the naval secretary and exactly what his reasonings are uh, for pushing out this naval captain that was actually uh, sounding the alarm to pretty much a lot of the press about the way that his uh, subordinates were being treated on this ship. Now, personally, I completely understand where this guy's coming from. Um, these had several hundred people packed into the small thing and the situation was just getting bad dire and he honestly decided to just uproot his own career to save his, his men i believe he should be commended i believe he should have honor but on the other side i i will at least uh, i understand what this article states it's stating that he completely disobeyed not just his orders but the directive of the navy he made it known that his subordinates were compromised to the public and to more the world. And the fact that you let our enemies, is really what we're trying to say here, your enemies know that you're compromised is just completely, completely, uh, completely uh, not part of any directive in any part of any military. You never let your enemies know that you are weak. With that said, the fact that they're pushing him out now, that they're doing it immediately after everything's happening, does point to some, I mean, some immediacy of, of tact. I mean, I'd imagine you give the guy at least some time so that he can actually help coordinate what's happening on his ship. I mean, he's been there. He knows those men. He knows what they've been through. He knows most of them personally. He's been with them on that ship for probably, maybe some of them for years. Uh, I think it just, it doesn't make sense in a war to let go of leadership and proven leadership when it is only doing what it's supposed to be doing and helping its own people. I understand both sides, but I'll read from the article because this is actually... Just straight dialogue from the from the uh, naval secretary himself. I did not come to this decision lightly, he said. I have no doubt in my mind Captain Cruiser did what he thought was in the best interest of the safety and well-being of his crew. Unfortunately, he did the opposite. It's unnecessarily it, it unnecessarily raised alarms from the families of our sailors and the and the Marines with no plan to address those concerns. It raised concerns about the operational security and operational capability of, this, of that ship that could have embroiled our adversaries to seek advantage and it undermined the chain of command. Completely understand what that means. He did. Um, he did 
this is a man who knew what he was doing. He was going to forego his leadership role in order to save his people. And I commend him for that. It is unnecessary that he had to do it in this manner. And you know, the chips fall where they may. I doubt that in the future, this man will be regarded as, an, as you know, as someone not at least to be respected, at the very least. All right, let's move on to some better news. Let's just get away from all that crapola. Let's get some good stuff going on. This is from the goodnewsnetwork.com, one of my favorite websites. NBA players recovered from COVID-19 are donating plasma to clinical trials helping sick patients. I'm going to read a little bit of the beginning of this article. A number of NBA players who have recovered from COVID-19 are now becoming role models for a new national healthcare initiative to treat patients who are still sick with an experimental therapy. Just days, the, just days after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved testing of a plasma treatment, physicians at the Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas, became first in the nation to test the therapy on a small group of COVID-19 patients this week. The treatment involves drawing blood plasma out of an individual who has built up an immunity to the virus as a result of their recovery. The plasma, which is chopped full of healthy antibodies that have grown to fight the virus, is then injected into a sick patient so the antibodies can theoretically attack the virus for its new host. Since hospitals across the country are now searching for recovered COVID-19 patients to donate blood plasma, several NBA players are now cooperating with the National COVID-19 Plasma Project to volunteer as donors. That's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, it is, it's interesting to see what's happening now that we're going over the curve a little bit with some of the earlier patients where we're seeing people who would now have not just were not just susceptible to the virus, but are now actually immune to the virus. Now they're helping other people with the virus. I'd be interested to see what kind of social things this kind of creates. Like, think about it. Are there like, are there like, there should be like a dating app or like a dating site for COVID-19 recovered patients or something like that. If you are an app builder, you should build that now. I guarantee you there's going to be a market for it. All right, one more last piece of good news in the world. GoodNewsNetwork.com landmark study lays roadmap for exactly how we can restore oceans to former glory in just one generation. A landmark new international study has laid out a trailblazing roadmap for restoring marine ecosystems to healthy levels, and if accomplished, the world's oceans could recover to their former glory by 2050. The study, which involves some of the world's leading marine scientists working across four continents and ten countries and from 16 universities, use evidence from successful, con successful conservation initiatives around the globe to recommend crucial steps the international community can take to restore the abundance of marine life. Age of Extinction Successful conservation projects highlighted by the research include the recent surge in numbers of humpback whales following the end of commercial hunting in the southwest Atlantic, which brought the species from the edge of extinction. The researchers found that while humans' activity has often had a devastating impact on marine environment, there is evidence that sea life is remarkably resilient. While there were steep losses in marine biodiversity through the 20th century, populations losses have slowed and in some places bounced back 
in the first two decades of the 21st century. Overfishing and climate change are threatening their grip, or tightening their grip, but there is hope in the science of restoration. We now have the skills and expertise to be able to restore vital marine habitats such as oyster reefs, mangroves, and salt marsh, marshes, which keep our seas clean, our coasts protected, and provide food to support the entire ecosystem. Co-author of the study, Professor Coulomb Roberts, stated it to an interviewer. So the actual research, the researchers have identified nine components integral to rebuilding marine life. Salt marshes, mangroves, seagrass, coral reefs, kelp, oyster reefs, fisheries, and megafauna from the deep sea. The report identifies specific actions within the broad themes of protecting species, harvesting, protecting, protecting space, restoring habitats, and reducing pollution, and the mitigation of climate change. The actions recommended could include opportunities, benefits, possible roadblocks, and, media, and remedial actions that provide a tangible roadmap to deliver a healthy ocean, providing huge benefits for the people and the planet. This fight we're going to be fighting until, until the very until until I, I think we're all going to always be fighting this fight. I think that's going to be the natural state for humanity going forward. We're never going to stop climate. We're never going to stop us from hurting our environment. But there will always be people fighting on the other end, trying to rebuild the climate and the world as it's being destroyed. I just hope that the efforts of restoration speed up and the climate slows and the climate change stuff slows down. I think if we can at least get there, we'll definitely be all right. We'll see what happens. This is amazing news. Thank you very much for watching. I really appreciate it. If you could do me a favor and give me any feedback, give it all to me. I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. I'll see you all around. And, uh, you know, <laughs> stay safe out there, friends.